This is the beginning of the new year. I'd like to wish everyone Happy New Year and Happy New Year, Ralph. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, do. You know, and uh, I'm going to apologize. My voice, for some unknown reason, is totally hoarse today. Um, I woke up yesterday morning and I, I don't know what happened. There was no, uh, you know, foreshadowing of having this issue. We didn't, haven't been practicing my vocals. We haven't been playing any shows. I just woke up like this. So I don't know. Sometimes, it, sometimes it just happens. But like regular listeners to this podcast will all know and remember the Dan Lilker episode. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> you sounded a bit different there. So yeah. I guess you're still good to go. Actually, that was the Metal Matters Dan Lilker episode, where this is on the Everything Went Black, No ah, Holds okay. Barred, Unlimited, Uncensored, Freestyle, whatever podcast that we can do. We don't have that 60-minute like uh, you know time limitation that the uh, All right. Metal Matters has. Okay, you know, gotcha. and I, I kind of like I like that Metal Matters has like a 60-minute format because. Um, I don't know. I, th I think uh, it, it it focuses the discussion to relevant topics. And uh, yeah, it does. But then there's also something to be said about just being freeform too. So yeah, it's cool to have sure. both. Yeah, cool. So Ralph and I are going to discuss uh, 2019's film Joker, which. I was anticipating for a long time, as soon as I heard about it, as soon as I saw those initial photographs of uh, Joaquin Phoenix um, yeah. in character, and uh, myself being a longtime uh, Batman fan, uh, any aspect of the Batman universe is uh, interesting to me. And the movie was released uh, in October of 2019, and um, surprisingly, well, I guess not so surprisingly, was met with quite a bit of controversy, at least in the United States. Yeah. So here too, actually, like really? a bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when 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 you approached me about like doing this and you you mentioned this, I was like, really, this happened? And then like I I checked back on the reviews and what I read here, it's like, oh yeah. So there was some criticism on this too. So yeah, let's dive into it. Yeah, definitely. And um, <clears throat> so the film was directed by Todd Phillips, who most people know for his work in comedy, such as Old School, the um, or the Hangover trilogy. But he also did Gigi Allen Hated. That was like one of his first films. And um, oh wow, yeah. Then there was a, um, I guess it was like his student film, which you can find called Frat House, which is a sort of expose about fraternity hazing and all this other stuff. So. Um, Primarily, Phillips is known for, uh, you know, for doing comedies. So this is quite a departure for him. Oh, well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no like, there's not fun one actual funny aspect in that movie. No, Joker. Not at all. But despite all of the controversy and all of the belly aching that is being done by these movie bloggers, the movie made over a billion dollars, over one billion dollars. Oh, man. Yeah. And um, so it really kind of didn't... All this crying and complaining didn't really amount to anything. People still went out to see the film. And furthermore, um, Joaquin Phoenix won a Golden Globe for his work playing, um, you know, the main the, the starring role in the film, Arthur Fleck. 
So and he's and he's a uh, like uh, a front runner for the Oscars. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it'd be cool if he won that. And uh, you know, I feel like he's on a roll, Joaquin Phoenix, with playing these like kind of dark fringe characters. I mean, prior to this, he had "You Were Never Really Here," which uh, yeah. came out a couple of years ago with very little fanfare, at least in this country. But that was another that, great film. That's so fucking good. Yeah. It's really, it's like, it's, it's his, like, I mean, we will talk about him and De Niro, I guess, in the context of the movie, but I think that one was his taxi driver. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this too, I think as well. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was kind of a similar character too, in some ways, you know, and, and he's been on, on a real role. I think, you know, there's her, which is, uh, yeah. you know, came out a while back. Uh, so just some particulars about the film. It was uh, directed by uh, Todd Phillips, which I mentioned before. Produced by Todd Phillips, Bradley Cooper, who um, <laughs> took an interest in this film as a producer, and Emma Tillinger. Uh, the score was by Hildur Gudnardjutar. I can't I pronounce it. Dottir. It's, it's Dottir. Okay, so it's how do you like, pronounce it? Uh, Gudnams Dottir. It's okay. uh, Icelandic, and Dottir means daughter. So, oh. like, the... the uh, the people in Iceland, they inherit the last, like they took the, from what I understand, they take the first name of their mother and put a daughter behind it. So pretty much Gundam must be the name of the mother. And then they add daughter for daughter. She's the daughter of that woman. And that's like how the last name comes together. That's interesting. That's great. That's cool. Yeah. So daughter. Oh, wow. Okay. So she's a classically trained cellist. Um, she's performed with son. And uh, the Animal Collective, and uh, during some of the research, I, they mentioned that she had performed with Throbbing Gristle, which I know can't be true because she's only yeah. thirty-seven years old. So yeah, wow, okay, so, so maybe she like added some textures to like an old recording or something. But yeah, yeah. I can't see her playing with them. No, because she wouldn't but, have been because not even born at that stage, really. <laughs> But yeah, dude, she also did the soundtrack for Chernobyl. Mm -hmm. If you saw yep. that, like the miniseries, unbelievable. I love like, that. She, yeah. yeah, dude, like just like the sound she recorded, like field recordings and made the soundtrack. I just bought it on vinyl together with the Joker soundtrack like a couple of weeks ago. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I, um, I'm definitely uh, a fan. I, I was aware of her work on Chernobyl, and uh, that's why I was like, I drew, I drew the parallels between those two mm -hmm. scores, and um, yeah. I'm probably going to pick those up as well. Yeah. yeah, so, um, you know, obviously it stars Joaquin Phoenix as Arthur Fleck. Francis Conroy, from Six Feet Under fame, yes. plays his mother, Penny Fleck. Yeah. And the great Robert De Niro plays Murray Franklin, who is uh, kind of um, one of the linchpins to Arthur's descent into madness or... It, it sort of uh, ex exacerbating his madness. I think that uh, De Niro's character, Murray Franklin, sort of plays a big part in his uh, the dissolution of his uh, sanity. Yeah, also like the father figure, the father he always wanted, the approval. And that's like, uh, like in his, when he has this first fantasy, when he watches uh, the light show with his mother sitting in bed, and he fantasizes like being called up on stage. And it's like, just like, the only thing he wanted to be like held in his arm and when De Niro like takes him like if I if I could choose like a boy or something and like I wish I had a son like you 
it's like okay so here we go like this is the first first descent into madness here yeah um so i mean the movie i mean the plot is pretty simple and and frankly i think this uh movie is more of a character study than an actual um you know narrative i mean there's you know there's definitely plot points and progression of the plot but it really is just a portrait of a mentally ill uh person who has been rejected by society and that effect on on that on that person and how they manifest all this that's actually like when when i did research on like on the criticism of that movie that's what came up the most actually that it uh it it goes away from the classic joker origin stories i mean there are like a couple of different versions throughout the 80 years that he exists as a character um but like that this is like a character study on him and that's not like the way people imagine the joker to come about and i think well like it's like the criticism on the violence also it's realistic but it's a realistic story so like the the intro like they they matched with the meeting like the fantasy about bruce uh, like bruce wayne being his like like bastard brother in a way like the fantasy has that like um bruce's father is like his father too and so it's like it makes sense as an explanation why he hates batman so much yeah definitely you know and uh also, um, there were five. I think there there were six murders in the movie. There was yeah. the uh, the three douchebag uh, Wall Street guys. Yeah, the jocks. Yeah, yeah there was um, his fa- his mother, uh, yeah. Francis Conroy's character, Penny Fleck. Penny Fleck. There was um, the guy who sold him the gun, his fellow clown. Yep. And then there was uh, Murray Franklin, played by Robert De Niro, who he murdered on screen, like when they were yes. uh, filming the show, which. The fact that he was like the kind of surrogate father figure was was interesting that he murdered him. Yeah. So the body count in this movie actually isn't isn't very uh, very high to be criticized yeah. for violence because I mean you go see John Wick and John John <laughs> yeah. Wick's murdering like twenty people in the first like five minutes of the movie. You know, it's almost like RoboCop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, was just like over the top violence like. When Paul Verhoeven, like, I bought, like, the Robocop 1 and 2 special edition DVDs back then. And there was, like, uh, he, he did an interview and he just said, like, yeah, like, actually, this is already the, the cut version. Even, like, the director's cut is still cut because, I, like, I had them kill so many people. I just wanted to be over the top, like in Starship Troopers. And I'm like, yeah, this can be, like, an idea, too. And that's, like, yeah, like, why, why do they, like, bitch around this movie now with only, like, six deaths? But then again, it's like uh, one common thing we like we the two of us have in common is that we're both like interested in this whole serial killer mass murder stuff. Yeah. And it's always like I always find find it kind of cringeworthy when people say like Charles Manson is the biggest serial killer of all times. It's well, like, yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, he's not a serial killer at all. I mean, yeah. I mean, he was actually not even accused of murdering anybody. Yeah. And it's just like, like from what I read from the books that I know, it's just he killed that one person when he was younger, but that's about it. But yeah, it's the same thing. Like, oh, it's so violent, so many dead people. It's like, wait, there are only six dead people. <laughs> you know, and, and another movie that, was, uh, that came out around the same time that was uh, celebrated was um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And that, have you seen that, by the way? Yeah, I yeah. saw it. Yeah. It's great. I, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. I mean... You know, connects the Manson thing. We were just mentioning Manson, but the violence at the end of that movie 
was way more over the top than any of the murders that took place in Joker. Yeah. You know, people but that, that, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, they like that's that's also one of the criticisms that I found on the web is that people say like it's too realistic and people could be inspired by that. I'm like, yeah, well, it's like it's this whole story is not an over the top cartoon like comic book movie. It's just like it's a real study about someone falling down and it's by chance. It's the Joker, this character you all know. But it's such a fresh take on the whole thing. And it's just like like done in a way that you can really say like, yeah, it, it makes sense. It would make sense if it would be realistic. But it's like, yeah, and that's why the violence is. I mean, he just like shoots these guys and like in the train, that's when like the, the walls break down for him. And it's just like, and he, he puts the lead into the last guy, like three shots. And it's just like, okay, like I'm over, over the edge now. And yeah. I think like it's, it's, it's kind of relatable. So I can, I can see why people say it's, it's really realistic, but that's the whole approach of that movie. You can kind of relate to it. Now, the question is, is do you find Arthur Fleck to be a sympathetic character? Uh, no. Okay. No, like I, I can, like I, I can watch it and I can, I can relate to like some of his, I mean, there are so many iconic quotes in this movie. And I mean, both of us, like we, we always talked about like feeling miserable and these phases we had in our lives where we both like felt like shit. And so, like, of course, there are some of these quotes where, where I thought, like, yeah, man, that's that's perfectly accurate. But like in the end, it's just like, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been reflected on them on the mental illness of him, and that's like a different case because it's not like he's oh look he's he's violent and he's evil, but it's just like he has this illness, and society pushes him, and he goes over the edge. And I kind of can kind of see it. So it's relatable, but like, it's not that I thought like, oh, poor author. It's just like, it's a character study of someone falling down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't find him sympathetic. However, I can relate to yeah. his feelings, you know? Yeah. And, uh, exactly. Yeah. Cause, um, the only, the murders that I think were justified were the self-defense murders. Yeah. However, the third guy that in, uh, you know, in uh, <laughs> Bernhard Getz style, he stalked him out onto the subway platform and shot him three times in the back, which I think is like, you know, he didn't have to murder him. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But in the in the thick of that intense attack of those three douchebags on him, mm. you know, his life was in danger. These are, these are dangerous men, three of them attacking him, kicking him violently. The only yeah. way out of that situation was an extreme action like pulling his gun out and shooting somebody you know i mean yeah so i mean that that's uh you know but the the zealousness of the way he stalked down that third guy that was when we stepped over into the world of psychopathic behavior i feel like yeah and that's i think also that point when i saw it and like i mean we talked about it i watched it and then like when you said you want to do this podcast about it i rewatched it and i was like okay so i think one big difference here is like if we talk about the cultural differences between europe and america yeah. is that um you you just said like these first two ones are justified and like 
you guys in the states have this amendment like that you're allowed to carry weapons into like you know like these states where you're allowed to shoot someone and you trespass your property and stuff this doesn't happen here in europe so like for for europeans that already the first murder is like human rights conflict is why like you know like if you study kant and like these philosophers that every human no matter how shit they are they are like they have their own worth just because they're humans so you're not allowed to kill them but like yeah i would also say like these first two guys they attacked him and they they really brutally attacked him so like he defended himself but um that's that's the point where a lot of discussions would go is like is that justified already the first two i think that um people who would see that as unjustified might have never actually been in a situation where they have to fight for their lives. I think that's kind yeah. of what would, would, I mean, I appreciate that perspective, but I also think it's a, um, it's a theoretical situation and the actual situation skews from that into a different sort of vector. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, the thing, the thing is like, I, whenever I can, you know, I teach philosophy in middle school and uh, I always do like the the human rights thing and like what is like rightful and what is just. And there's always these situations where you do like a dilemma situation where like two options and both of them are not a hundred percent. And it's always like interesting when you insert like this personal stuff to the like you can have like people talk in theory about something and say like okay this is not just I would never do it. But exchange, like, the protagonist of that story to it's your mother or it's your sister, you yeah. know, like, being attacked or something. And I think no one would, st in that situation, like, if you could defend your loved one or your, your kids or something and you have a gun and this person is being attacked, you wouldn't say, like, oh, sorry, no, can't do because you don't kill people. And I don't know, like, I've never, like, I've been jumped and I've been attacked and I was, like, in, in several fights in my life, but it was never, like life-threatening so but yeah i mean it's like not that i like when i took these hits from other people that i said like oh wait yeah oh maybe i should talk to them now oh. exactly you just want to get the what get out of there and survive and not avoid yeah. any kind of com any further conflict you know um, yeah and yeah and that's like if you look at these three guys and look at the physique of of like the the arthur fleck character like he even if like if he would want just fight them off he, he wouldn't have a chance because exactly. he was just like the skinny guy and there were three guys yeah these like three aggressive larger males attacking yeah. a more or less defenseless uh physically diminutive male and the the uh the odds were heavily weighed against him However, you don't know how they if they were going to stop. I mean, people get killed in in you know beatdowns like that all the time. I mean, there's all, there's mm. all sorts of you can go on the internet and read about people who get even even one on one fist fights where some guy gets like punched in the face, he falls, yeah. he hits his head, he's got brain damage, and he or he dies or some horrible story like that. I mean, you yeah. people who aren't familiar with violence have a very skewed um, idea about what it actually entails. You know, yes. I mean, you can hurt yourself, you can hurt someone else, you can, you could, you yourself, even though you're the one being attacked, can find yourself in a manslaughter case or something like that, you know? 
Man, it's also, I think if people have never experienced the fear you like have in this situation and how much like you just react on, on reflex and like the, the, uh, like the adrenaline pumping through your head, it's just like if you've never experienced that, you can't empathize the situations. And it's just like, it's such a like shitty situation if you have to defend yourself, in, especially in the case where it's more people and you just want it to end like as soon as possible because it's the most uncomfortable situation you could be in. That's right. Yeah. Oh, just to clarify, um, you know, here in the States, I mean, we, 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 you know, the United States is definitely uh, in love with guns, you know, but only certain states allow that carry. Um, mm. In New York, you can't have a concealed weapon here. Um, mm. However, you know, it doesn't stop people from carrying guns. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's not like uh, the Wild West. Everyone's John Wayne with like a, you know, six shooter strapped to their hip. You know, it's not how it is over here, really. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's pro pro portrayed like this, especially if you're just like the only knowledge about American culture and the criticism on guns is like by watching Bowling for Columbine and these movies by, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Michael Moore. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, because he's oh, like he's dramatizing this, and I mean, there are these states where you obviously can buy guns pretty easily, and people are like proud to carry them around. And we don't have that here, but still, like, if I talk to kids in school, and like I'm like in a the city where I teach is like outside of Cologne, so it's not a big city, but it's also like one of the drug trafficking cities uh, where like people from the Netherlands like go and, and like trade their shit. So these kids in school, like when I talk to them, like the older ones, there's like, and they're like, so Mr. Schmidt, how often did you like have a fist fight or something? And I'm like, maybe in my 40 years, maybe four times or five times. And they're like, what? I like, I have fights every week. I'm like, really? okay, shit. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I carry this knife and this and that. And like, we're like, holy shit, really? So it's like, it's a weird situation to grow up right now as a teenager because this whole thing got like when I was younger and I had like these fights, it was like, okay, so yeah, there's one guy and you're the other guy and you punch each other and one is on the floor and then you won and you go. And right now, like what I see in schools, like kids fall down, like there are three people and they start kicking, you know, it's not over. And then people like tend to like, okay, I have to end the situation. And if they carry a knife or something, there will be stabbing and there will be self-defense. Wow. So it's, it's, yeah, it's getting a lot harder. And I mean, that's just parts. I mean, there are parts of Germany where you like will never see a gun or will never have contact with drugs as a kid. But like Cologne is a big city and like some of these outskirts are really poor. So it's classic. It's like the way you imagine it from like, I don't know, American ghetto movies in a way. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very familiar with, uh, with that uh, world, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, of but, course. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, it's like, ahead. sorry. Like, it's just like for me, you know, like I've been to the States in my life maybe 10 times. And like I've I've been here in sketchy parts of towns, and I always felt like, well, I mean, I'm I'm six six tall, and like I'm I'm not like super like, not, I have some strength, and I know how to defend myself, but I've never had to use it. But I remember like the first time being in San Francisco, and I've been downtown. I just wanted to walk up to Hayden Ashbury, and it's like, oh, cool. It's just like a couple of blocks. I just walk there. And no one told me that in the middle between like the one cool part and the other cool part is this ghetto. And yeah. like I walked through it and after three blocks, I'm like, okay, I'm turning around. This is not happening. It's like, holy shit. 
<laughs> and this this situation, I've never had that in Germany, not even in the worst part of Berlin. But obviously, there are parts of Berlin and other cities where it's like that too. There, there are parts of uh, France and Paris that are really sketchy, though. Like, uh, yeah. you remember when we uh, we did that tour? Like, I think it was the first time that Tombs had been to Europe. We played that um, community center in mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in uh, France and uh, outside of Paris in that neighborhood. Yeah, I felt I felt at in danger in that in that neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, it's also that that part is where all the bands get rubbed all the time. It's, it's in Lyon, and like there's like these couple of cities where now, I mean, back then we didn't know shit. Like both of us, like for us, it was also like, oh, okay, this looks sketchy. But this is actually the part where like all like so many bands that I know from the states that toured there, they got robbed, they got jumped. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, it's also it's a big thing in Scandinavia right now. Like there are parts in Sweden where they're like bands get robbed all the time. Really. Yeah. Huh. I've always felt relatively safe in Scandinavia. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Well. <laughs> well. Not anymore, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not, not if you go to Norway and release stuff on the wrong label. <laughs> yeah, some, some skinny kid with like, you know, like wearing a, a black hoodie is going to like light your house on fire probably, you know? Yeah, and... Dude, just like wear a shirt like I was also on my way to kill Euronymous. <laughs> One of the things that uh, about this film that a lot of people seem to have a problem with, especially in the quote unquote woke culture that uh, that, that we're currently in, is uh, this whole incel, uh, you know, white guy like on the fringe, you know, that whole thing. And um, mm. is are, are these terms any something that actually is being discussed in Europe? I mean, is there the term woke? Does that mean anything in Europe at all? I I read it like in blog posts, and I heard it thrown around a bunch of times in like in the scene where people are like super politically aware. Yeah, but it's not a thing that really like happens in the way it does in the states right now. I mean, the, we, we discussed the same topics, and I mean, we we talked about stuff that happened to us as a band, you know, like with like wearing the wrong shirt, playing sure. with the wrong band. And like also the stories I told you about some of these DIY youth centers where you're not allowed to like play without a shirt and stuff like this. <laughs> yeah. So we have these discussions, but like in the in the way that it's done right now in the States with the woke culture thing, now we don't have that in that way. Like at least not where it really touches me or where I move. I'm I'm pretty sure there, like if people hear this, like, oh yeah, look at this ultra guy again. Like he doesn't know shit. It's like, well, well, it's like, not in not in my reality, it doesn't. Yeah, it's it's um. I feel like it's kind of reached its peak here, and there's like a little bit of a backlash now. And um, mm. but you know what? I one yesterday when I was thinking about this discussion that we're gonna have today, I was drawing comparisons between uh, the '80s and the late '70s, and now 2020. Mm-hmm. And how um, everyone's offended these days, and uh, you know, there's certain things you can't say, and certain movies that are, you know, drawing um, a lot of uh, vitriol from from certain people in the mm-hmm. woke woke recesses. Um, you know what? It it's a lot like the way society reacted to movies like Cruising and Taxi Driver. 
Yeah. You know, like this very mainstream culture that didn't want to be offended mm. is being offended by this dark portrayal of the underside of society. And yeah. in a lot of ways, I feel like, yeah, we experienced, um, you know, like a, a couple of decades of, uh, of very progressive thought and idea ideas and people were open to explorations of uh, things that were way off the center. And now I feel like, you know, the new, the new look is to be ultra, you know, morally conservative and look down and try to eradicate and cancel any of these ideas that fall outside of the boundaries of your narrow ideologies. And that's like, Almost like going back to like the Tipper Gore PMRC. Well, these records are no good because they portray, you know, ghetto violence or there's Satan yeah. on this record. And now it's like the same thing over social topics. You know, it's like it's such a weird regression in so many ways. I mean, I, and I don't know if it's like that in Europe. I just see that here in the States. What what we have, and I think it's um, like it's it's uh, well. I mean, I'm 40 now, and I've been listening to extreme music ever since I was 12 or 13. Yeah. I mean, um, so like back then when I started listening to black metal, and I just went out and bought a Burzum record, I didn't have like the anticipation of like, okay, is this guy an asshole or not? It was just like, okay, I like the music. So it was way later than I like had the first discussion about like is it okay to like Burzum or not, and this ever since black like especially like in the like genre we move around you know you guys with tombs and like the scenes we're in we're with Ulta, it's like there's this discussion about what is okay to listen to what is okay to wear that's a that's a thing that's going down a lot but it's also it starts already like in school like what are you allowed to wear and whatnot the like the most absurd thing like there's so many issues in the school that i work i mean we're 80 teachers and about 1200 students are at this school and um there are so many concerning issues that you should discuss, but now we had like a special conference with all the teachers where they discussed if it's allowed to wear jogging pants in school. <laughs> I'm like, really? This is this this is the thing we discuss now? Yeah, because it, it's like, it's not okay. But then someone said, yeah, but Karl Lagerfeld said, it's okay, it's the new genes and blah. And it's like, no, he said this and that. I'm like, really? We're discussing if, if it's okay for kids to wear jogging pants. What is the consequence here? Like, will they start fights and be kickboxers now or what? So, yeah. I remember, like, when I started being a teacher, there were discussions about can a, a sixth grade girl wear, like, a, a belly-free shirt? Or should teachers, like, female teachers wear shirts where you can see the shoulders? And I'm like, I, well, I don't know, man. <laughs> this was like, really, this is the stuff you discuss. We have like an actual racism pro, pro, uh, problem in school. We have like a big fascist movement just around the corner from where our school is. Like there are drugs being sold and shit like this. And people listen to like ghetto rap, German ghetto rap, which is even dumber than the American ghetto rap, where like really like sexism and homophobia is being pushed all the time. But then, like, none of, like, most of these kids don't run out and start, like, okay, you're my bitch now because I listen to rap and people say bitch a lot. And, like, okay, but we're discussing if people should wear jogging pants. Okay, wow. Yeah, I mean, there's really no, 
I mean, yeah, of course. If you if you widen the bandwidth of of, um, I mean, if you look at this, look at things purely in statistics, there's really no correlation with like violent, um, you know, art in, yeah. inspiring violent reality. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah. there's some outliers. You know, there's like uh, someone who's going to say, "Oh yeah, you know, I, I listened to um, Beatles' Helter Skelter, and I developed this whole uh, agenda for a race war." You know, like uh, like Charlie Manson or something like that. Yeah. But, but I mean, that's like the outlier, you know. Yeah. And if it wasn't the Beatles' Helter Skelter, it would have been something else that inspired that guy to do that. You know. Sure. And yeah. the other, at least in the United States, the thing that is never getting looked at, and it's because there's so much money involved, is the fact that most of these shooters are on uh, antidepressants and like pharmaceutical drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, and how that messes up with your, your brain chemistry and makes you, you know, do bad things and make bad decisions and all this sort of stuff. But the corporations, you know, people, peep, they, you know, they, they, put money into all of these pharmaceutical drugs that are being pumped into our pop, you know, the United States population, at least the U S to keep everyone like anxious and controllable. And then the result is like some kid freaks out and guns down in school, you know, Mm. but no one wants to address that. They want to talk about how we have to take everyone's guns away and this and that, which, you know, Hey, I, I, I'm not one of these like right wing, like pro gun guys either, but, I, I do think that you, they should regulate all this stuff. You should you shouldn't be able to just walk into Walmart and buy a rifle. You know you should yeah. go through some kind of screening. It should be like if you uh, you know if you want to drive a car, you have to take a test. You have to you know yeah. educate yourself. You have to have a clean record. You know good background that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's 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 also one of the cases. Like me being a teacher is like I think the the solution to a lot of problems is education and. It's still a problem in big parts of Germany and also like in the States where there's just no, there's no money involved to giving all the people the education they need. And, and I think that's, that's why you have so many problems is because people just don't know any better. I mean, there are, of course, these family where it's traditionally we're like white supremacists and this is like our family and you as my son will be the same way. And it's hard to get out of this. And I mean, I have, we have the, the thing here with I have, a, I would say about 70% of my kids in school have like a migration background, like mostly from Turkey or, or Croatia and these parts. And there's like... Of course, like there's this still the sentiment that the male in the house, he's he's the man and like all the women have to fall in line. And it's hard to break out of it if you don't know any better or if no one tells you there are other options to do that. And it's the same thing if like people like if kids are frustrated and they go through hell in school and they don't get any help because no one sees that because there's no time to see it actually. Then and it's like a thing like I I can't save all the kids in my school that need help, and it's frustrating. And but I still think like if there would be more options, if there would be more money involved to actually take care of the kids and about people that really actually need help. But instead, like as you said, the money is being pumped into if defense stuff. And I mean, there's a shooting, and like, what do we do? Like, of course, like. Like Donald Trump would never accuse the NSA of like, yeah, the NRA is like, oh, maybe you should stop it because they're like, they're he's in their pockets, I guess. Yeah, and well, any any anything bad 
you can yeah. you can tie back to that guy for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 such a difficult like topic where I mean we could talk for hours about all the the ways this is expresses in, in culture right now, and it's also that goes back to like the Joker movie because there are a lot of aspects in this. I mean, look at the guy Arthur Fleck. He's been like neglected as a kid and he finds out later. So there was never any love involved from his parents. Mm -hmm. He has the psychotic mother. He never had a chance because he was born into nothing. And there was like, it's hard to like leave this part of your life if you're not lucky enough. And that's like, I think a lot of like the popular culture, it, it sells hope. And it's like when when my like when I talk to kids in school and they tell me about like oh Mr. Schmidt do you know this rapper uh, yeah I know him oh he's so cool like he robbed a bank like he robbed a bank wagon like and now he's escaping like wait <laughs> he, he but he plays this show and he's on tour don't you think the police would like know where he goes and catch him <laughs> no 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 he's smarter than that he's so cool it's like okay wow. So again, like, where's the reality check in this? And like, people like, like, okay, like we're gangster rappers and we didn't stand a chance, but look at us now, look where we are now. And it's just like, yeah, of course you can like sell hope like this. And like, they express their like chance of being better by like buying expensive clothing and trying to be like these guys, but they've never like actually a chance to learn how to really like make something of your life yeah i mean that that's like uh, a very um nuanced sort of discussion because what ends up happening too is like you know i mean i i get if you you came from nothing and you want to like you know cover yourself in gold chains and like you know drive around in limos and you know have like iced out like watches and stuff but the message that sends to the young aspiring uh, kids out there is like getting the material will change your life somehow. So people yeah. are like, oh, I got to get a gold chain. I have to like, you know, buy like a you know nickel plated gun or gold plated, you know, whatever this and that get this car. And then they, they descend into this other world of like materialism, motivating their actions, you know, yeah, as opposed and also I'm sorry. No, I, I, I'm the one interrupting you. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's like also like they just go into depth even more. And that's yeah. like also like an American thing, because like from when, when I was in the States, like these couple of times and everybody's paying with the credit card all the time. It's just like go to go to like Starbucks, get a coffee. It's like, OK, put it on my like my credit card here in Europe, like especially in Germany, people use credit cards if they go on vacation and they have to pay something. But people here are more aware of like, okay, like I have this regular bank card. If I pay something now, it will, like the money will be missing from my checkings in three hours. So people know like I'm broke right now. But like I felt like these kids in the States, they're more like, okay, I buy this. And people are just like, oh yeah, I buy this too. I need this one and I need that one and I need this car. And they pay with credit card. And at some point they're like, oh, wow i've been broke for the last three years wow it's like no shit and it's just it's so weird and i just i don't know like the the day when when i texted you like okay i'm watching joker now i started after joker i started watching this documentary on netflix about kevin hart i don't Uh, know if you yeah yeah totally have you seen that i haven't i haven't seen it yet yeah 
okay so i was like okay so why are they doing like this documentary on him and it's like and it starts out with like this this whole like oscar incident with like him being like nominated to be like the host and then this old tweets came out which had like hate content in a way and then it's like okay cool so this is a critical like look on this guy and then what it is actually if you watch it like it's a five or six part documentary about like him like i it's always these excuses i come from nothing i didn't know any better and now i'm the rich guy and you always think like wow this is pathetic like there's he did so many shitty things he cheated on his wife and he like blamed it on him not knowing any better it's like uh uh-huh Okay. And later on, it's just like, I did these racial slurs or I did like, I said, like, if my kid will be gay, I will hit him up the head or something. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know any better. It's it's like, really? And then it's just like the next minute it's just like, but look at what I'm doing here. And then it's like in the last episode, he's doing like a chase marathon run. And he's like there with his fitness mentor and they like, okay, so I will promote fitness and so through fitness if you learn to be fit you also learn to be responsible with your money and that's when people can make a checkings account with you in the bank and the people are like oh yeah that's a great meeting let's do this i'm like what (laughs) this is how oh my god and this is yeah this is like kids see him and think like look he comes from nothing i can do that too and no you can't this is a chance one in a million that this will happen to you I mean, the thing is about the the excuse that everyone, you know, like, oh, I've come from nothing or like, you know, this or that. It's like, you know, everyone has their sad story. Everyone's got their blues jam that, you know, I I had it rough when I was growing up. Like everyone, even even people with money, honestly. Yeah. I mean, there are people I know that grew up with money. Like they were like rich, their parents owned like a publishing company or something. And like, Mm. or in another example, um, a good friend of mine, his family is like Mayflower Americans. You know, they were were here since day one and they like are old money, quote unquote. Mm. And um, that doesn't mean that your life is like without struggle. You just have different yeah. types of struggles. And the way that they manifest your psyche is is different, you know? But yeah. and and who you can't really say any one is worse than the other. I mean, yeah, sure, okay. Having money and not having money, there are definitely stresses that are alleviated by having your, your creature material comforts met. But there are plenty of people I know out there that have had incredible struggles that are still not that are financially well off you know so yeah it's just a tired justification for poor behavior in my opinion you know oh i didn't know any better well learn yeah learn yeah absolutely same same i have the same opinion when it comes to that it's like in in school it's like i have these kids from super poor families and i have these kids from super rich families being in one class and you have people like that are super poor they're the most socially aware and like really helpful people but you also have these kids that come from poor families that are the biggest assholes and behave like shit but the same you have with rich kids you have some rich kids that are so rich that they like say I don't need to deal with you because I'm better than you. And then you have others that just say, like, I have so much money. I'll take these three kids out 
like for for dinner every day in school like because i have the money and they don't have and like i can do something good for them so it's just the thing again of education if you're being raised right and if you like even in in poverty you can still say like i don't like i will not steal or i will not steal in a way that really hurts or affects others I don't know, like, and this is like a thing I thought I think about a lot of times. And I had so many talks with kids about this where I just thought, like, this is stupid. Like, your argument doesn't count here. It's just like you can learn. You have the chance. You just don't want to. And like one once, like when you just said that, I was thinking about like a couple of years ago. It was just when I moved to Cologne from the south. There was, um, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to that big chalice we have, uh, the, the, the big church we have in, in Cologne. Like I think the, I have, actually, yeah. It's this gigantic old castle right in the middle of the shopping district next to the train station. So it's absolutely bizarre. You have this gothic, gigantic church, and next to it's an H&M and, and stuff like this. And there's a big like open like open like meeting point, and of course New Year's Eve there's always like people go bananas there. So there's a big party. And a couple of years ago, this whole discussion about the refugees like started going big. That's when like also this AfD or the AfD is like a the like an openly okay right wing party. They they claim they're not, but they they are. And they said, like, yeah, we cannot allow to have the, the refugees in our country because blah, blah, they take our jobs, blah, blah, they rape our women and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, this New Year's Eve thing happened. And on, like, at this big party with thousands of people and not enough police force, of course, there were a couple of cases where people were touchy in a, in a sexual way. Mm -hmm. And like the, the girls then went to the police and like, of course, like said something. And it came out that there was like a, a group of refugees that have just been in Cologne for a year or something that actually did these cases. And instantly, like all hell broke loose when like oh yeah if we hadn't let them in our country this wouldn't have happened blah 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 and i'm like okay well this is an old song i've heard this like a gazillion times but all of a sudden on social media people like my sister who come from like a good family and they have a good life she posted something yeah if we wouldn't have done this i'm like what then i call it's like please delete this are you stupid like what the fuck is happening have you ever looked at the statistic of rape like how many girls are being raped all the time and it's just like yeah but if we hadn't no it's not the discussion it's they are people that did something wrong because they like i don't i can't defend them i i won't i don't want to but like it's it's not the problem that they're refugees it's the problem that they behave like shit and like this is something that can be done like with education i think and it doesn't yeah. matter like where the people are from if if you rape someone you're a piece of shit and you're not supposed to do that. And it doesn't matter where you're from. It's just the thing that isn't happening. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's like plenty of like native, like, you know, whatever, born Americans here that are very rapey. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, it's just a testament to poor character as opposed yeah. to like what your you know cultural background is. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you see this film in the theater or did you stream it at home? I saw it the first time I went to cinema with my, my best friend, Danny. You know her? 
Yes. And um, we went, uh, it was actually the premiere day. We had tickets and it was like, we have a real good <laughs> cinema here in Cologne. And I wanted to see it because I, just from the trailer, I knew that I would just love the way it looks and the score as well. So we went there and I was blown away because I loved it. I mean, there were like in the second, third, I don't know, there were like a few minutes where I, felt, I thought it felt a bit flat, but then it like caught up again. And I was just like, I went out like after the first 15 minutes, I'm like, okay, this is the way, like, it feels like watching seven for the first time. Yeah. yeah. Where you just have like these like gray, images and everything is so gritty and dark and you have the score and it's not like over the top look look how depressed everything is it's just like it's like this this is reality it's not a beautiful reality and this was the first impression i had and i just like i love the movie from the get-go and then when i watched it a whole at home the second time it still like had 10 out of 10 points in my book i feel like with uh you know subsequent viewings of this film it actually gets more textured and there's like, you yes. pick up, there's more things that actually, different feelings too. Like I, yeah. I watched this on, um, on Friday um, in, you know, in preparation for our talk today. And uh, I was like, the, the, the last time I watched it, the, the sadness of the story is really what was in the forefront for me. Like how sad yes. it was. And at the end yeah. I was like super bummed out and, you know, sad. Yeah. So I think the and the first time I watched it, it was more of a, um, you know, just an enjoyment of the character and, you know, feeling, um, you know, sort of touched by the different aspects of our current society that it addresses. Um, I yeah. saw it in the theater, too, the first time. And uh, it kind of relates to there's like an interesting uh, sort of connection here because I, I saw it during the day. Um, I think it was a Friday. And uh, it wasn't opening day. I think it was the following week. And um, I work in, in Midtown Manhattan by uh, 34th Street. And uh, I just went to like an AMC movie theater for like a one o'clock showing or something like that. And, you know, there was like maybe 10 people in the theater. And uh, I was I was gauging the reactions to some of the people and, and um, you know, just kind of like checking out like when something really intense happened. I was like, you know, how, how are people seeing this, you know? And, um, you know, people seem to be like, you know, not, not overly appalled by anything. Um, what I thought was funny though, and I, this is like later on because these like older people like were sitting next to me. Um, like, I mean, really, really old, uh, like, sitting, I mean, I'm old, but older than me, you know, uh, I had like a, like a leather jacket on and like my hood was up and everything. And I was like, kind of cr like crouched down in the seat. And uh, they were they were kind of checking me out because I think they were like nervous because of all the press about um, people, uh, you know, like there was going to be like armed guards at all the showings because they were afraid that these like, you know, incel types would would detonate bombs in the movie theater and all this kind of stuff. I don't know. Did Was there anything like that in Europe at all? Um, I mean, that's the, the discussion that I also found on the web. Like, I, I didn't didn't have the feeling like in cinema, but I'm always also the guy that people look at weird. <laughs> when I started working at that school the first day, like I, I just walked from the train station to school and like my one of my future colleagues by that time, she wouldn't let me on the schoolyard. I'm like, it's like, cat, why is like, no, you can't go. here. It's like, I'm a teacher. I work here. You're not a teacher. 
And I mean, yeah, of course, you have a six foot six tall guy with long hair and a beard who's all over tattooed and just wears black. Of course, you feel like this is not a regular teacher. But like when we were in cinema, like this, well, we had a, what I found most like interesting watching it, like we decided to go to a bit of a better cinema when it comes to, we have like these fairly cheap cinemas here in Cologne that are like kind of shit in a way, but like you can see a movie for like just a few bucks. And um, we only have one cinema usually that shows movies in English. Most right. of them, as we had it like in other talks, everything here is dubbed. And I'm like, like I don't want to watch movies that are dubbed, especially not this one. So there was this, there's this one cinema here that they like renewed a while back and it's fantastic it's like it's called a movie palace and it's oh, actually cool. kind of like a palace so you have seats where you have these little benches where you could put your feet on like it's so there's so much room there they don't serve like they don't sell popcorn and shit like this you can find nothing that makes a lot of noise in cinema so all the snacks are in a way that you cannot unwrap them and annoy oh. everybody yeah. which is like one thing i thought is like a revolutionary cool idea and um, they always do the fantasy film fests, which is um, like this one week of weird, absurd horror movies and like out there movies that would never go to regular cinema. And it's always there. And it's so cool. And we said like, okay, they show it and they show it in English. So let's go there. So what I anticipated is usually when you're not in a program cinema where the film nerds go to watch like a French black and white movie, which is about some weird topic that no one understands. It's like where people are actually super quiet and they sit still until the final credits are off. Even in non-Marvel movies where you expect Captain America to do like a cameo or something. <laughs> So I was like, okay, let's see how this pans out. And like the cinema was stuffed and was full and like we were sitting pretty like decent in the middle. We're like a, like more people in my age group. So between 30 and 50, I think. So um, it was packed and I was like, okay, the movie started and there was this instant sadness just by the score. That's why I loved it from the, from the get-go. It, it was just a sad thing. And what you just said about it being a sad movie, like, your first, like the one impression you had, that's also my, that was my first take of the movie. I enjoyed the character study, but it just felt so sad. And uh, the movie was done, and I'm like, okay, people will get up now, and they will just leave like Germans do in a movie, because who needs the end credits, who needs to enjoy the music? No one moved. Like, they had dim lights go on, people were sitting still until the end of the movie, like final credits roll through, light goes on, people keep sitting still, and you just hear like, okay, what did you think? Wow. And they whispered to each other, and they were talking, and I'm like, holy shit, I haven't seen that in ages. So Danny and I also had to talk about it. It's like, how did you like it? What did you like? And and people were talking about that movie. I'm like, okay, cool. This is something different. This is something else. This will totally fail with the regular, like, I want to see Batman versus Superman or I want to watch the new movie, like Thor movie or something. It's not done for these people. It's And I, I think it's like, it's not a classic DC movie. It's, I think only the only DC movies that are really good are the Batman movies, the three ones they did. Oh, the Christopher and, Nolan ones, yeah. yeah. Yes. They're 
amazing and all the rest like i always try and i always think like nah it doesn't work but like this one was like okay this is something completely new this is something completely different and it's not a superhero movie in what sense ever it's a character study and it's amazing for what it is yeah it's almost like uh it could have been like the like a vertigo comics take on the joker's origin you know which yeah the defunct of uh, great Vertigo Comics imprint that was that sub imprint from DC that had you know, Swamp Thing, oh, Hellblazer, yeah. like all that, you know. Rest, rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. that was amazing. Yeah, that was that, that was the good, like the glory days. Yeah. I agree. I totally agree. Um, one of the things though, that after I saw that movie, um, I think what I, what made me think about this is because it was essentially I saw the movie in the same neighborhood that I work in. And every morning, my my travel into the city to go to my job is fraught with all sorts of insane people living on the street, shooting drugs, um, menacing, <laughs> you know, various yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And it really made me think about that situation because I feel like New York is going back to the 70s. It's going back to the taxi driver days here, it feels like. And um, then I started thinking about how much money the government wastes, how many people, how many other entities are being supported by the United States. And this is like an American thing right now. And if some of that could be siphoned into a program where you can actually get these people off the street and and help them... um, that would probably eliminate a lot of this. Cause you know, some of my coworkers are like, Oh yeah, they should just like, you know, put all these people in like a, a pit and bury them somewhere, you know? And it's like, yeah. you know, but it's like that, that thin line of like, you know, at six o'clock in the morning, like walking down the street and feeling threatened, yeah. but also being like, you know, I don't, I'm not mad. I'm not angry at you. But if you move on me, I'm going to break your jaw. Like that's, it's like this weird duality of feelings I have about homeless people in New York City, you know? And, uh, you know, it's just like, I observed this, like, this dark journey of this, like, one woman I saw there. She just, I saw her one morning, like, in the summer, just passed out, like, on a a piece of cardboard in the subway. And, uh, Mm. And I was like, she looked kind of normal. Like, she just looked like some young girl that was uh, maybe, like, had too many, uh, you know, too too fun, too much fun the night before. Mm. But then I would see her, like, every day. And then every day, you she was just degrading deeper and deeper into this, like, descent, you know. Wow. And, um, and then, I, then I saw her, like, sleeping in this, like, cardboard tent that was pitched next to the building that I work in. Because uh, there's like a scaffolding, and that becomes like the uh, the substrate for these homeless people to build these little cardboard forts that they sleep in. Mm. And then one day, she was just gone. All that stuff was gone. And what the fuck yeah. happened? You know? <laughs> yeah, they just like there are these patrols that uh, carry the stuff away, and it's like okay, this is by being like. Uh, refer to to the police like we feel uncomfortable this being here and even if she's not a threat to anyone like it's a, it's a sore like a, the sore for eyes so people don't want to see this because they feel offended 
And uh, I mean, we have this here too. I mean, we don't have it in a way like you guys have it, especially in New York. And that's what I that's what I thought about like a question I wanted to ask you, but uh, like about for me seeing Joker is like this looks so far from my reality because cities don't look like this here. Like even like if you go to downtown Frankfurt, which is like always people refer to as like Manhattan because the river is called Mine. Yeah. And it's got like Manhattan, so they make the comparisons. But like I, I, I've seen parts where people live like ghetto ghettoized in a way, but it's not like this. And like where you have these these little forts of cardboard and shit, and you see this in so many movies about New York or bigger, like major cities in in the states. And I mean, I saw that too when I was there, and I felt uncomfortable. Right. Like oh, shit, like dude, like I don't know. People here, like if I if I see people living on the street, they don't tend to be like this. I mean, they do drugs too, and they like they're fucked up. But I've never felt a threat by these people. But what like the story I told you about San Francisco? That was the first time I saw like okay, this is like next level. I'm not used to this. And I don't know how to how to react to this, so I'll better turn around. You know? Yeah, well, actually, um, they they filmed Joker in New York City, and uh, <laughs> I yeah. mean, it looks pretty much like that, really. I mean, it's not yeah. uh, that much different, really, especially now, because I said like, I feel like a lot of you know I I've, I've been traveling into Manhattan for work on and off for you know decades, and there are yeah. periods of time when it wasn't like this, and now it's like like the 70s it feels like taxi driver now yeah you know and, and new york's just like an ugly fucking town man there's like n nothing really nice to look at here you know yeah that's that that's the feeling i had the first time uh, i remember like one of the first times i ever been to this yeah it was actually the time i was there with my ex-girlfriend when we also stayed at your place yeah. all these years ago mm -hmm. and i'm like wow like brooklyn was kind of cool like it was like a, a decent neighborhood in a way also like way more tall buildings than i've uh, had known be before that and it's like okay let's go to manhattan and check that out and like oh i feel so uncomfortable here yeah totally. it was it was humid it was loud and i'm like oh god everything stinks everything <laughs> like going to the subway i'm like oh this smell how and people are just like yeah this is the way we live it's like okay wow and it's like yeah if you want to see something beautiful go to central park so I went to Central Park and like, well, but this is a constructed landslide. Of course, yeah, there's some nature and of course all these buildings around that. I mean, one of the one of my favorite things in New York is the Museum of Natural History. Sure. So so whenever I'm like in the States and in New York, I always like take a stroll through the park and then go to that museum. But this is like not representative of how New York looks. And no. I just remember the first time I I tried to make my way through the subway system where like okay so you need to take this train direction brooklyn but it says brooklyn this way and brooklyn that way so how the fuck like where do i go <laughs> and then it was an express train and it's like okay where i'm now uh, okay just like in germany i would just go out like walk across the street go down again and take the train back so I ended up being in, in I think, in the Bronx. Oh, man. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. And I, like I got out and looked around and was like, oh, oh, 
and then the, like a police officer came and was like what are you doing here <laughs> i'm like i'm like uh i'm lost i'm not sure he's like i can't see that it's like okay um uh, yeah i'll escort you to the door and then please go down and take the train back i'm like okay <laughs> that's awesome so, it's good that he did that though yeah, yeah, he was a nice guy, but he could clearly see that I'm totally lost, and then I was about to like get out my iPhone to check where I am, and he said like, "Okay, there's there's a there's something that could go wrong really fast." So yeah, that was like a, a like a scary experience, and I'm like, "Okay, this is definitely different from what I'm used to here in like the rural Europe in comparison to that." Yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff can go wrong to you in New York. That's for sure, man. A lot of things can yeah. happen in this city. That's that's a hundred percent true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's super interesting. There's so much happening, and but there's like this this divergence between like rich and poor in this. I mean, it's been like shown in movies so often. I just like recently rewatched American Psycho. Oh yeah, and uh, also like I don't know. Do you know the t- like the show The Deuce? Yeah, yeah, I watched the first season. I haven't watched the second two, but I really like that though. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like this this gritty like every like the sewers are always like smoking when it gets cold and it's like this is like everybody's smoking and that's like what I felt like yeah, actually it just still looks like this in a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um yeah, the cities in this country are kind of fucked up. Definitely New York is at the top of of a, a city that probably shouldn't be as disgusting as it is, but it mm. is, you know I mean? The, yeah. amount of, the amount of money that changes hands here, they yeah. should be able you know, the amount of money that people pay in taxes, um, the amount of commerce that happens here, it should be a better yeah. place to live than it is. You know, it's, yeah. it's not like this place is poor. I mean, you know, you go to like a place like, you know, no, no, uh, no offense, but Baltimore, you know, mm. which has had some rough times, you kind of understand why things are so like broken down there, you know, even though Baltimore yeah. is kind of on the upswing again, but you know, New York, you figure, you know, it's the seat of the financial world, you know what I mean? And, and there's like all sorts of international money coming into the town and, you know, it's the, the, the center of a lot of things culturally and economically that the city would actually be a more livable place, but it isn't, you know? Yeah, when I when I came over the first time with with Jenny back then, I mean we we flew nonstop to San Francisco, mm-hmm. and we we've been like in the Bay Area for a while, where we had like friends and hung out, and then we flew to New York to have like these ten days or so that we stayed in New York, and there was such a big cultural difference and yeah. all the just the, from the way it looks and everything and usually i'm not the, the like sunshine and hippie guy i'm totally not but like after being in in the bay area which was all very beautiful and very subtle and i mean there were like these ghetto parts too but it was just like okay now you're in new york and that's like new york is unlike anything else i've ever seen before when it comes to this pressure and everything. And I remember like in a, in a talk, like when we did that interview for cult nation, all these years back yeah. when we interviewed each other, we spoke about the difference of like American depression and European depression, like in the case of listen to black flag and listen to joy division, <laughs> it was yeah. just like, like you can just like sense the pressure of this. And it's, I feel like black flag is such a good representative representative thing for the American like pressure that is just like constantly there on, on like on regular human 
humans, not like the super rich, but like this tense thing that Rollins captivated so well. And then you've got the Europeans where just like a bit more whiny and a bit more like, yeah, we have problems too, but everything is so, uh, so much more subtle in a way, you know, it's more, uh, it's more abstract. I feel like the depression in Europe and, uh, the depression in the United States is a lot more visceral, I think, you know? Yeah. And then to go back to our topic, Joker is just a very good image of that of one lost soul in a gigantic pressure system. It's always like, it, it always feels like Star Wars episode four when they're in this like trash compactor. <laughs> it's just like, it's dirty, it's gritty, the walls are closing in. And I mean, yeah, you can like cite, uh, like quote various black flag lyrics when it comes to these topics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so now where do you think this film is going to fit in the uh, overarching, uh, you know, cinematic world uh, as time goes by? Um, I definitely hope that it isn't, it, it's, it's not becoming a part of the DC universe that they, like, have. Because, like, as I said, I don't like these movies and they're, like, not good. And I, I would love to see, like, an offspin where it actually, like, continues into a kind of a Batman tale like this. Yeah. You know, like the classic, like, okay, Bruce Wayne is now the Batman. I mean, you could see in the end of the Joker movie that, like, they integrated that scene that, like, Bruce's parents get killed, like, get shot on the street because of someone that is uh, motivated by the Joker's doings or at least uses it as an excuse. But, like, it would be such a good, like, jumping board to actually do a good Batman movie in the, in the film noir style, in a way. And uh, so that would be cool. But, like, in the overall thing, I don't know. I think it will be a movie that people will talk about for a long time because it hasn't been, there hasn't been a movie like this in a long time. And it's really, like, a one-in-a-kind movie in a way. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's funny because you read um, descriptions of the film online and, you know, Todd Phillips is like, yeah, this is a standalone narrative, standalone film apart from the DC Universe, but... They do leave the door open at the end, <laughs> you know, yeah, for a, yeah. another movie, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, um, of course. I do think that this, as time goes by, the same way that people look at Taxi Driver and cruising, and um, you know that that you know like uh, you know those movies from the seventies that yeah. were reflections of the times. I think people are going to view the Joker that way, like they're in say yeah. ten years from now. Hopefully when things in the States are better, they're going to look back on this film and be like, yeah, that was the movie that came out during the uh, Trump era in the United States when everyone hated each other. And uh, there was like everyone was like touchy and there was like minutes away from total civil war. Um, That movie was an indicator of that vibe in the United States. And uh, and it's going to go down as like one of those films. I think that people are going to reference, you know. I agree with that. Yeah, and I really, really hope, and I think like my 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 view is that it won't be in the context of like okay, twenty years ago. Remember, kids, when all these like Marvel movies came out and they got bigger and bigger and sold more merch, and also DC tried really hard and superhero things were a thing, and Disney just wrecked Star Wars for like their eighteenth <laughs> installment. Um, Joker is none of that. 
Joker is like Watchmen in a way. Yeah. It's like a it's like a one off movie based on a card like on a, on a on a comic book or a graphic novel in a way. I mean Watchmen was just like the one thing, but like I mean there are so many stories about the Joker, but sure. they did it like like a graphic novel in a in the like in a real dark like you said a vertigo kind of way. And that's like it's a standout thing and it's it serves without the context of it's actually a guy from the superhero cartoon or comic book. Yeah, totally, you know. And uh yeah, I was I'm probably going to watch it again in the next couple of weeks to be honest, you know. Yeah, me too. I I already said like I have to do it again like just like when it comes I mean, last time I streamed it and I want to get the Blu-ray so I have like a real good picture here at home. But yeah, it's like it's one of those movies that I will go back to all the time. And I think like it has the potential. Like one of my favorite De Niro movies is Cape Fear. And like Cape Fear is the movie that like I put on at least once every second or third yeah. month. And it's it's oh god, it's so good. I mean the original one was already great, yeah. but like De Niro De Niro in that movie is like it's my favorite De Niro next to Taxi Driver. It's such an underrated movie too. Like I like if you talk about the neuro movies, there's not a lot of people that say like, "Oh, dude, yeah, Cape Fear." But I, I guess you're right, actually, because it is one of my favorite De Niro uh, films too. Um, but yeah, I, a lot of people don't talk about that movie at all. Yeah, and there's a lot of like the reference. I mean, it's totally different from the storyline and him him being like the. I mean, he he's been treated like unfairly, and he he copes with that too, but like in a different way. But it's also just like the atmosphere, the the way it looks, and also the soundtrack, the score. Like this this classic Cape Fear theme is like still one of my favorite like melodies ever written for a movie. And yeah, like and it's it's I think also Joker, and I don't know, like I want to talk about that. It's like I think it's a passing of the torch too. Because yeah. I, I saw, like, shortly after I saw Joker, there was the Comedy Central roast of Alec Baldwin. Right. And and it had De Niro in that. And, like, people were always there making fun of everybody. And whenever they made jokes about De Niro, they were really like, I don't know, man. I can't do jokes about Robert De Niro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. Like, I like that. And he, like, he could take a joke. And he was sitting there. And he looked like my grandfather. Yeah, he's he's so old now. Yes, and like for for uh, for this uh, the Irishman, like with the computer morphing, you could still see that he just can't move anymore like this. And it's like it's okay that he's old now, but like he's he's still such an unfuckwithable person yeah. in a way. Also, like him being really upfront against Trump. Him being like cool enough to go to Saturday Night Live and and do like skits with Alec Baldwin and uh, like there's one of my favorite Saturday Night Live things is the um, uh, damn what is what's the name? It's it's like the the guy from Brooklyn Nine Nine is playing a rapper and like yeah. he's in the studio and like there's one with P Diddy in it, a blizzard the Blizzard Man yeah, yeah Blizzard okay. Man. Yep. If you go to YouTube, Blizzard Man, Robert De Niro, and he comes in as Blizzard's man's mom. It's fucking Robert De Niro dressed in a wig with gigantic fake boobs, and he's dancing and, like, gets touched by, by Diddy. It's just so absurd. And, like, this guy can do anything he wants, and he will always get away with it. And he's been just, like, the way he's portrayed in movies, the way he comes across in interviews, it's just, like, 100% integrity. And that's what I love about him. And yeah, you know, go back to the the Cape Fear thing. It's 
That's another interesting moral um, kind of moral play, passion play, if you will, where like you had uh, De Niro playing Max Cady, the imprisoned uh, statutory rapist, child rapist or whatever. Um, And then you have uh, Nick Nolte as his attorney, his defense attorney, right? And then there's the issue that Katie wants to get revenge on Nolte on a, you know, whatever the other character's name is, is that there was a bit of evidence for the girl that Max Katie raped that was, was uh, sort of buried by, by Nick Nolte's character. And that, you know, piece of information was that she had like, you know, previous like history of being promiscuous or whatever that could have affected the term of his uh, sentence. Right. Yeah. Now, that then, piece of information is kind of like, well, why the fuck should it matter if this girl was, like, promiscuous? How would, how, why would he get a lighter sentence for that? Yeah. Now, however, the laws being what they were would have, like, you know, things would have went more in uh, Max Cady's favor. But Nolte, he took, like, you know, some improvisational thinking and buried it. So now this yeah. this thing of like this very thin line of morality is the sort of linchpin of this whole movie, and the yeah. fact that Katie felt like uh, Nick Nolte's character like sold him out for whatever reason, and now he's out of jail and he's gonna like enact this like revenge on him. You yeah, know, and like, also when when it, when it comes to like the way he reacts to that it's also like the stuff we talked about because he also was in prison and that's what max katie says in that movie is because he didn't know any better yeah. he didn't know like he said you have to plead guilty and he's like you were my lawyer i trusted you i d- didn't have a plan but in jail he studied all this like jurisdiction like li- literature and like he's super smart and educated yeah. like not only physical fit and intimidating and a good like psychological player but he's educated now and that's why he said like yeah you can touch me like i know better and that's like it's 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 kind of also like he's he's taking revenge on it and this is what the joker does too like he's being pushed over the edge and he's acting out of revenge in a way but like when with max katie there's been this time where he was incarcerated and like had time to study and plan his revenge where like with joker it's just like reaction to what actually happens right now and him not being able to cope with it anymore. Yeah, and like each, both characters have that one fatal miscalculation, you know, like it's like, yeah, well, you know, that's too bad, man. But in the case of Max Cady, you still rape this girl. And whether whether or not, um, in the law of the jungle, whether or not that young lady was promiscuous or not doesn't change the fact that you fucking raped her. Yes. You know, same same thing, you know, with uh Arthur Fleck. It's like, yeah, you, it's a horrible story. But aside from maybe those first three, which are debatable, well definitely the yeah. first two. Yes. You know, you can't really go out and fucking kill people like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> and as much as much as he like I mean, when he finds out all this information about his mom and like when, when he goes to like to the library of our this um the, the Arkham, Arkham Hospital. Arkham Asylum, yeah. Yeah, Arkham Asylum. And, like, he, he gets, like, from the guy from Atlanta, like, from the from the show. He's the, like, co-star of Atlanta. Oh, yeah, the guy okay. That, yeah, I knew yeah. that guy looked familiar, yeah. 
Yeah, he's the rapper. Like I don't know his name in in the show, but he's he's like the co-star of that show. And he like at first like he's nice and he gives him like these information, and then like authors like all of a sudden you can see like okay wait something's wrong here, and then he just like snatches this 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 file, and then he reads it at home about the way that like Thomas Wayne also told him that like your mom is insane and we had to let her go because she was insane and then it had all this information and that's the point where he completely broke down and that's like also when he killed his mother yeah that was a little bit too much <laughs> I think you know yep. I, mean, I don't think that justified murder you know what I mean yeah, it, it absolutely doesn't. But like, that's that's the thing. Like, okay, so you can be pissed and everything, but that's still not the way. Like, you cannot kill her. But that's the character as he's portrayed. Like, he's gone over the edge. So like, I lost everything. So why stop now? So right now, like, he's in the mode. Like, okay, now I will take revenge on like, on everybody that disappointed me in a way. And that's why he shoots like his. He's like, like first he, they're friends, and he's like giving him the gun. And later on, when he's being fired, he also like the the boss of that like joke joke factory or like the the clown rental service or whatever the fuck that is. He's like, yeah. By the way, he also said that you uh, wanted to buy this gun off him, and he's like, no, he didn't. He gave me the gun. Yeah. And uh -huh. that's like you know like this this like i'm being like i'm being set up here like people and that's the thing that i see in school all the time if like there's kids have to learn the responsibility like i always tell them it's okay if you fuck up but be a man about it and come forward and say like i did something wrong i will make up for it then i have no problem but i hate lying and i hate excuses and like by by now, like my kids in school, like I teach them like as a head teacher for six years, and like with my, with the first run of kids I had, like ever since the eighth grade, they were like, okay, Mr. Schmidt, in the break, we just fucked up, we did this and that, it was shit, and we're sorry. Well, what can we do about it? It's like, okay, let's work it out, let's find a solution to that. But like with younger kids, it's always you have to find excuses not to be punished in the end, and it's always when you ask kids. Did you say this to that girl? Yeah, but she started because, and it's always like, no, I don't care. Did you say that or not? And like, let's let's work it out. And that's the thing. Like, he he takes the easy way out. Yeah, and it's exactly, like, yeah. Being, yeah, and that's like that's a thing that doesn't fly with me. So that's also why he's not a sympathetic character because as much as this whole like life of his was a gigantic clusterfuck. Like, it doesn't justify killing his mother or, like, going to that TV show and, like, making making the scene. I mean, it's it's a good, like, backstory to being, like, this character that he's becoming with the Joker. His alter ego, which is, like, completely taking over. But it still doesn't justify it. And this this why it's not a sympathetic character. Yeah, that's well put, definitely. Did you see uh, Midsummer? Yes, I saw that. I just uh, I saw it in the in the cinema some weeks ago, and I actually saw it on Friday in the director's cut. Oh wow, the director's cut's like eight hours long or something like that, right? <laughs> it was even more uncomfortable than the original one. Yeah, what do you think of that movie? Not a fan. Yeah, I mean either actually. I, I it's didn't really like care also. Yeah, like also too many flowers beforehand. Also with Hereditary, which was also like nah, no, it's not hitting a nerve. There were cool aspects and shit, but there's other independent horror movies that got to me more. 
I think it's it's an interesting idea, but then again, like I just hate drugs, and like in that movie is everything about like okay, so we get fucked up, and that's why we all lose our heads, and and I don't know, like I mean, it was cool. I'm into that whole ritualistic stuff. There were runes, there were weird masks, and I'm always a sucker for that. But I don't know, man. It's just like it didn't like touch me at all. But what I have to say is like that first cinema I saw it in, it's a smaller one in Cologne. They showed it as a premiere and I watched the original cut and I already with the film Insomnia, De Niro, oh, no, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. Chino and uh, Robin Williams, where you like after a while you start getting like also super uncomfortable because it's never dark and you can see like how Pacino cannot sleep in a way, you know, like this fight against sleep deprivation in that movie, it was the constant sunshine and the constant warmth. And like in cinema, it was packed. It was sold out. There were probably like 120 people in that cinema. And I thought like, dude, it's getting warmer by the minute. I'm, I'm melting in here. It's like, what the fuck? And it's just like after the movie was done, everybody was exhausted. Everybody was sitting in cinema in, in like in fall with T-shirts. It's like, it's like, what the fuck's happening? And I asked like staff afterwards. And he said, like, yeah, there is a, like, from the rental of the, like, the movie company, they asked us if we could raise the temperature in the cinema during the screening of the movie. I'm like, wow, this is fucking insane. That's a good idea, like, to make it, like, a fourth dimension in a way, you know? Wow. It's like, make it even more uncomfortable because it's getting warmer and the heat and... It, it, It worked. I felt super uncomfortable in that movie. And it's just like, I don't know, there are like images that I keep in my head and I liked it. And that's why I saw it the second time. But I mean, the, the horror effects, they just look goofy. I mean, when, when the, when the people are thrown off the cliff and it's just like, uh, I don't know. Um, now didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Well, I didn't like it either. And, um, I did like hereditary and, but the thing is with midsummer, when I, when I finished watching it, I was like, the traje- trajectory of the main character is basically the same as the same as that kid in Hereditary. Yes, you know, it's right. a transformation into this like other sort of thing, and you know now she's like the the May Queen, and she's part of this saltless culture now. Yeah. And um, you know, and in the other case with uh, in Hereditary, he gets possessed by the the entity Paimon, you know of. Uh, mm. The lower the Goetia, the Goetic em- em- entity. Um, but anyway, one of the things I thought was very uh, distressing to me was how people were like, you know, piling on with uh, like I'm talking about other people I've talked to about this. Like, yeah, well, fuck that guy. Like, you know, he cheated on her. And I'm like, so he deserves to be like burned alive. And I'm like, come on, man. He just like, I don't know. Yeah. Once again, like these extreme reactions to things. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what people call for. And I mean, it's, I just, um, oh yeah, right. It was like, uh, like last week, like usually when I have a tense day in school, my kind of like solution in the evening is like, I go jogging afterwards. I order pizza yeah. and like, I watch a stupid action movie where I just like, you know, like put your brains out and it's just like entertaining. And, like, after a while, it's like, okay, so I have, like, 500 DVDs and Blu-rays, and I've seen it all a bunch of times. And it's always like, okay, let's go to Netflix and see if they added something. And they added The Siege 
98, Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. Bruce Willis. I'm like, oh, dude, have I seen that back then? It's like, okay, I was 18 when that came out. It's like, okay, watch it. And I was like, oh, I think I saw that in cinema. And it's just like, oh, God, it's such a reflection of everything, of the situation right now. I mean, it was before 9-11 happened, and it was way before Donald Trump happened, but it's exactly how the states are right now. Sure. Like yeah. this this, like witch hunt, like all of a sudden, I mean, like after the second like bombing, everybody's like, oh, you wear, you wear like a like a scarf on your head so you're like you're evil now and like not all (laughs) muslims are like this you know and it's just so like this and then you can hear like these actual radio snippets that they added like from from the media it's like yeah like they're all like this fuck them and we have to kick them out of our country if we hadn't let them in which i thought like oh cool i remember that from my sister great and uh yeah so that was like it was it didn't hold up that well but it was still like okay, it's a good document of things like that were like were coming later on in our reality now. I have been there, but still are. Yeah, I gotta but watch it, that again. I haven't seen it. So it's on Netflix, you say? Yeah, like it, at least in in Germany. Yeah, yeah, probably. But like, uh, yeah, it's still I mean, There's some kind of hack I know where you can access the whole library oh, of cool. Netflix. I, I haven't tried this out. But like sometimes you guys have things on Netflix that are not like published here by now. Yeah. And which I thought I think it's like it's still one of the most stupid things that people it's also, you know, that I'm like still into watching wrestling and they still haven't figured out after all these years to have like an actual like you to see the show like probably a few hours after you guys <laughs> have it to like just watch it here. No, you always have to wait for like a week and then it's like with German translation and it's cut down. And it's just like, why are you doing this? It's also like Game of Thrones was the most download, Ill- illegally downloaded show in the world because HBO still hasn't have like doesn't have a good representative in Europe. Like there's like, that sucks. Um, yeah, they have Sky and they have like some of the productions and they also had Game of Thrones after a while. But the first few seasons, they're like, yeah, well, you have to wait for half a year until it comes out. Fuck that, Actually, like, man. yeah, dude, before Christmas, I, I drove to, uh, I drove to like, work, and they had, like, these billboards saying the final Game of Thrones season now on Blu-ray <laughs> and DVD. It's like, dude, it's been, like, seven months. <laughs> like, everybody knows what's happening. Who's actually like, oh, cool, finally I can watch it. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. This is great. I'm glad we, uh, you know, we, we yeah. did this. And um, everyone, uh, keep an eye out for Ralph on Metal Matters too. We got that coming up soon. That's going to be uh, yeah. dropping in the next uh, several weeks. Yeah. And uh, for Looking those of you forward. out there who listen to Metal Matters or who don't listen to Metal Matters, check it out. It's my Gimme Radio um, official Gimme Radio. Well, usually weekly podcast. We're going to be going back to a weekly schedule at the end of February, so you know don't don't uh, don't get it don't get nervous. It's still going to be coming out <laughs> weekly from the rest of the year. Yeah, man. All right, man. Thanks, dude. My pleasure.